Area 10 Faith Community meets in the historic Bird Theater in Carytown in Richmond, Virginia at 9.30 and 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. We hope you'll be able to join us, but in the meantime, enjoy this recording of last week's message. My family and I had the opportunity a couple of years ago to go on vacation to a pretty obscure part of Nova Scotia, which is an obs- fairly obscure part of Canada, which is a country without a lot of people in it. So we were kind of like out in the middle of nowhere, nowhere, and there's not a lot to do out in the middle of nowhere. I don't know if you've ever been out there, but it's lonely. And uh, so we had this house on the edge of nothing, and it was, it was actually beautiful and, and incredible country. But uh, we, we were out there, and we decided to go hiking because there's some hiking trails around. We went on this hiking trail, and of course, I've never been on, these bef- on this particular trail before and didn't really know where we were, but we found the entrance to the trail, which wasn't well marked. And we, we pull off the side road. There's like these two stones on the ground that are supposed to represent the trailhead. So we pull over, we, and we start going on this trail. Well, I looked it up with, from other people online about what the trail was going to be like, and it was a mile long. And, and, and allegedly, there was a really pretty view once you got to the end of the trail. And I was like, you know, a mile. My sons at this time were like 13, 11, and 9. I was like, they, they can roll a mile. That's not hard. You know, that's like walking through Carytown. Like, that's not going to be bad. What I failed to really pay attention to is that it was also like straight up. So it was really like a mile of like on the Stairmaster. It was just up, 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 up. Just the whole thing was just... just constant, you know, you're just kind of going through these trees, and so we're kind of going on the trail, and I'm kind of leading the way, and I'm like, you know, and you're just climb, 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 and, and then, then your kids are like, they're, they're being like, you know, it's like the classic, like, are we there yet? And I'm like, I don't know, because I've never been on this trail before. I'm like, yeah, I think it's just like, you know, the next whatever, and it just never seemed to be the next, it never was the next. We just kept going up the thing, and I'm like, man, this is, and I'm exhausted, and I'm like, if I'm exhausted, they're definitely exhausted, you know, so we're, we're climbing, climbing, and eventually, like, two of them drop out and go home, and there's just three of us left to, to try to, they're like, this isn't happening, you know, and so there's three of us left, we're like, we're going to push through. And so we got up to the, the top of the mountain, um, and I had read that there's this really pretty view, and it's a really beautiful thing. We get up there, and it's just more trees, but it's, like, flat. And so we get up there, and I'm just kind of looking around, and it's just, there's just trees around us, and it was like, there's nothing to see here, like... I thought this was going to be something awesome. And we just kind of hung out. We're like, well, I mean, I guess this was it. It's really disappointing. I guess we'll just go back down, which is way easier, by the way. (laughs) Uh, So I was like, all right, we'll we'll, we'll climb back down. And so we we start heading back down. And we get like just maybe 50 yards back down. And one of my sons says, Dad, oh, I forgot. I left something back up there. I was like, oh, because he had like had some binoculars. Somebody left him up there. I was like, oh, okay. So we turn around and we go back. And when we get back there to retrieve the binoculars, we realize that there's actually another piece of trail that some people we could see are walking on that's further. And I was like, oh, well, wait, but wait, there's more. And so we go over there and we follow that and it ends up being pretty flat and, and it comes out to this edge and then, then there was this overlook. I snapped a picture of it, which doesn't come out great, but uh, we, we reached this spot and there's this incredible overlook. I took this big panorama. There's sort of like the mountains and the, the, the bay and just all the stuff. And it was like, you were like, oh, this is it. Because what we had been at before was like a false summit. That wasn't the thing. This was the thing that everybody was talking about. And I'm so glad we went back and saw it because it, it was pretty incredible. And then we were like, oh, this is so beautiful. We took all the pictures and then we, you know, walked back down. Um, but I, I've, ex- I've experienced that before. Maybe you've experienced that. People tell me if that you try to hike, um, if you try to hike in, in, in Virginia, the, the hike called the Priest which is a pretty hard hike. There's like multiple false summits along the way where you think you're at the 
again, and it's like, oh no, there's still more to go. And that can be like demoralizing to you. I want to talk about the idea in this series, starting today, I want to talk about the idea that we are all climbing something. Uh, we are climbing a mountain, and, and specifically today I want to talk about the idea that there are false summits along the way, and there's maybe some areas where we get stuck, and we think we're at the top, but we're not. And I want to challenge us to think about the mountain that we're actually climbing, and maybe there's a different mountain that we should be climbing. A guy who's been writing a lot about this idea is New York Times columnist David Brooks. He came out with a book earlier this year called The Second Mountain. And the basic premise of the book is this. There are two mountains, he says. The, the first mountain is the mountain that everybody in America, at least our narrative is, we're all trying to climb this thing, and it is the mountain of success. It is the mountain where you go to school, you get good grades, you get into a good college, you get good grades there, you get out, you get a good job, you get a job, a house, a spouse, a car, a fence, a dog, you get the whole thing, um, and that is the narrative. That is the mountain people are trying to climb. It is a mountain of acquisition of stuff. Uh, there's a consumer piece to it, and it's a mountain of, of success. But he says, inevitably what happens is there are really three options when you're climbing the mountain of success. The first option is you make it all the way to the top. And when you get up there, what you find out is it's just not all that. You thought it was going to be wonderful. You thought it was going to feel amazing to reach the top, but you reach the top and you realize this didn't do it for me either. And so what happens is from, from reaching the top and finding out that success wasn't all that, you end up kind of in the valley again. It puts you into a dark place. Or what a lot of people do is just climb that mountain of success and they never reach the top, but they keep climbing. They're always trying to make their way up. They're trudging along, trying to make it, their way up, and it's just never quite working for them. They're not able to ascend to the level that they would like. And that can feel like being down in the valley again. That sends you potentially into a dark place. I'm never, I'm never quite going to, to make it there. Or what happens to, uh, to, to some people is that on their, on their climb up the mountain of success, something bad happens. It's cancer or disease or, or like a divorce or just some things happen along the way that kind of disrupt the whole system. And it throws people down into the valley again. And they go like, man, this isn't working. So no matter what, as you're climbing that first mountain, eventually you're going to find yourself in the valley again. And at that point, you have a choice. You can get down in the valley and go, maybe I should have climbed that mountain a little harder, or maybe I just didn't give it enough, and you'll go get more climbing gear, and you're going to double down on the success mountain. I'm going to try that thing again. I didn't do it quite right last time. Maybe if I just go a little more, a little farther, a little faster, a little stronger, then I will really achieve my level of success, and it's going to feel as good as I had hoped it would feel. And so we double down on climbing that same mountain again. Or what happens is, at that point in your life, you discover, there's another mountain here I could be climbing. There's a, a second mountain that is not about success. It's about meaning and care and love and connection and significance. And it looks different than the first mountain, and maybe I should be climbing that second mountain. Now, our culture reinforces the climb the first mountain narrative. It, it reinforces the success idea. In fact, our, our GDP is sort of driven by achieve and consume, make money and then buy stuff so that we can keep uh, climbing up that mountain. Our, our culture kind of says this message of like, spend more and then you'll get more, and then if you do that, you will be more. But the problem is a lot of people have spent more and they've got more, and they've learned that they didn't become more. It didn't actually 
change things. The, the narrative doesn't really hold up. It doesn't actually work. And so what happens is we, 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 we communicate this in various ways through songs, through poetry, through Disney films. We communicate this is what the, the narrative is supposed to look like. And it's not working. And we, we do this particularly with like high school and college graduates. Like when people are kind of finishing up education and heading out into the working world, we, we, we give them this story about what they're supposed to be doing. And uh, what we end up doing is we hand, we hand fresh college graduates, we hand them some boxes. Uh, the first box is called freedom. And what we say to new, new graduates is, you are now free to move out the country. You can do whatever you want. Like, go get it. You have all the freedom to become whatever you want to become. And we tell people that. It's like, go, go get it. But the problem with that is, if we don't have any clear direction, what good is it to know that you're free to do whatever if you can't even figure out what is the whatever you, that you should be doing? It's actually, uh, our, our country is drowning in freedom. There's plenty of freedom out there. There's all sorts of opportunity, um, but, but there's not a whole lot of a direction we're giving people. So giving them freedom uh, just leads to a lot of anxiety. Uh, Soren Kierkegaard, hundreds of years ago, said, anxiety is the dizziness of freedom. And we are a dizzy people because we have so much of it. So that's, that's, a, that's a box we give to graduates, but it's an empty box. There's nothing in it. There, there's, no, there's no hope there. So instead, we hand them this box. It's the box of possibilities. And we say, dare to dream. The sky's the limit. You can be whatever you want to be. The options are all in front of you. Whatever, you know, I chose the road less traveled and whatever, you know, it's, it's, it's like this choose your own adventure of life. There's so many possibilities for you, graduate. This is what we tell people. But if you don't know what you're supposed to be doing, being told that the sky's the limit is not helpful, right? It just ups the pressure. Yeah, there's all these possibilities. I just don't know what I'm supposed to be doing in it. And that, that's anxiety producing so we hand them that box, and that box is empty as well. And then we give um, another, another box to, to, to young adults, and it's the box of authenticity. It's, it's the box of, of you be true to you. And, and, and just it, the only thing that matters is that you discover yourself and you discover your, your passion. And whatever your passion is, you just go chase that thing. But like, how can you be true to you when you hasn't even informed yet? Like, you haven't really become. Yeah, you've done some school and you've left your parents maybe or whatever, but like, you don't know who you is, so tell, people telling you to be true to you is not very helpful. Be true to what? King David, thousands of years ago, said, the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? Who indeed? Who can know yourself? Especially as we're younger. So being told to be true to yourself is not incredibly helpful. And then we hand one more box to young adults, I think, it's the box of autonomy. And we say like, hey, um, no one's going to decide for you. You get to write your own narrative. You get to tell your own story. And, and so you write the story about yourself that you want to write. And, and, don't, and, and don't worry about all the, the connections. You're kind of on your own here to, to forge an, a new path and blaze a trail. Um, and that's not helpful either. We, we hand young adults, I think in this culture, coming out of school, we hand them a bunch of empty boxes. And then we're surprised that there's angst amongst them. 
there's, we're surprised that there's angst amongst any of us because the truth is we, we, we told them a lie. We, we, we gave them something empty and, and said this is really meaningful when it, when it really it isn't. And so what do, we, what do we do with that? What would you expect of a culture that sells this to people and tells them this is what you've got and there's really nothing actually in there? I would expect exactly what we're seeing in our culture today. I would expect people to be anxious. I would expect the rate of depression to skyrocket. I would expect people to develop opioid addictions. I would expect relationships to burn while they're trying to figure this out. Uh, um, I would expect people to pick up guns and shoot random strangers because this is empty We've told them this is the success, climb this thing and this is what it's going to mean and you can do it and it doesn't work for everybody and it's not working and it comes up empty and people are angry about it. It always reminds me of the, the, the line from the movie, well, from the book, Fight Club, where he says, we're the middle children of history, man, no purpose or place. We have no great war, no great depression. Our great war is a spiritual war. Our great depression is our lives. We've all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars, but we won't. And we're slowly learning that fact and we're very, very ticked off. Except he didn't say ticked. (laughs) This is what we're discovering is this isn't working. This whole thing is empty. We're climbing a mountain and recognizing that at best there's just a false summit there. We think we, we get to the top, and it's, it's not really the top. And so in this series, I want to point us to another mountain, a different way to go that brings meaning and hope and significance and love and connection and the things that we actually long for and are craving. Let's talk about that stuff because this isn't going to work. Let's, let's talk about a different road that we can walk, a different path that we can follow um, let's talk about a, a, a different summit. There is another mountain to climb, and many people are climbing it. There are people who are spiritual seekers. There are people who are, um, you know, corporate or, or nonprofit do-gooders, and people who are who are trying to walk a different path and say, "I'm I'm done doing the success thing in America. I want to do something different." And, and they're climbing a, a different mountain. And so to do that, I want us to look at somebody who was. Um, in the ancient world, who was very wealthy. And the reason this, this is a good guy for us to look at, this is Solomon um, in the ancient world, the reason he's a good guy for us to look at is because he was so wealthy, he had enough money to try everything. So Solomon ruled Israel in about the year uh, between 830 and 790 B.C., And when he was ruler over Israel, it was actually one of the the most prosperous, successful times in the history of Israel. Things were good. They were uh, fairly wealthy at that time. They weren't being dominated by all their larger neighbors. In fact, other kings around the ancient world would come to Solomon to learn from him because they thought, man, this guy's really got it going on. He's really got it figured out, and they would come learn from him. Um, And so Israel was doing really well, and there was a lot of wealth and a a lot of success. They had climbed that mountain, and things were going really well. And Solomon takes some time to write down his experience of that life. And this is really good for us to learn from because I think there are some parallels here. America is a wealthy country. I know not all of us are wealthy. There's a range of, of incomes and that kind of thing here. But generally, the, the, the standard of living is high in this country. Uh, America is a wealthy country. 
And we, we believe the narrative that, that, hey, if I can get more things, this, I'm, you know, I'm going to be happier and this is going to go well for me. Um, and so it's good for us to look back at someone who did it because no matter how much money you make, whether you make a little or a lot, you still can't buy everything you want to buy, right? It's, at the end of the day, you've got some, but you, you, you still think, well, if I had just a little bit more, I'd be able to secure retirement this way or I'd be able to buy this or I'd take this kind of vacation or whatever it is. Um, we, we all have some, but there's always like a number or an amount that we think would be enough or there's, there's more to come, right? We think, oh, if I just had a little more. We all believe that thing. Oh, just a little more, just a little more, like it's the carrot that's dangling in front of us. Solomon had a little more. He had a lot more. So he's a good person for us to look at because you've got to look at what he says, what he saw from having it, from trying it, from, from living it, from smoking it, from surfing it, from eating it and drinking it. He did it. Look at what he says. Pay attention, because this is some ancient wisdom, but it's still so applicable today. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, listen to what he says. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. Your possibilities are endless. There's so much freedom. Do whatever you want. I said of laughter, it is mad. But behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad and of pleasure. What use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine. My heart still guiding me with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their lives. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forests of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, many concubines, the delight of the children of man. So I became great and surpassed, I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me, and whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was the reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity and striving after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. That's quite a list. Solomon was able to do things we'll never touch and should never touch, right? But he was able to, you know, you, you tend a little garden in your backyard. He builds like a whole forest just for fun. And then he builds like large pools to water the forest. He throws parties. You've, you've been to the, your fraternity kegger. He throws a party with 10,000 people that goes on for a week. And, it's, and everyone's, you know, he's, he's not like listening to music. He's buying the musicians, like, I want that band in my palace. That's, that's going to happen. He's got gold and silver and all of the things, all of the decadence. And he's honest about it. I, I, did you catch it in there a little bit? There's a little bit of like, yo, I did a lot of stuff. I parted really hard. Some of it was pretty fun. I mean, basically what he says. So if your picture of the Bible is, this is stuck in the mud. These people are uptight. Uh, here's the truth of the thing. I mean, he, he's saying it honest, like, yo, we, we had some fun back then. There was, there was some good times. I ain't going to lie to you. So he, he's honest about what he experienced. Um, but then at the, in verse 11, he goes, Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I expended doing it. Behold, 
All is vanity, a striving after the wind. There's nothing to be gained. Like at the end of the day, I climbed that mountain and there's nothing there. It was empty. So he turns his mind to other kinds of things. All right, I tried pleasure. I partied hard. That was empty. Look at verse 12, what he says. Uh, he goes to other things. So I turned to consider wisdom and madness and folly. For what can the man do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. I mean, who's going to top me? I've already done it. Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, as there is more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. And yet I perceived that the same event happens to all of them. Then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart, this also is vanity. So he pursues wisdom, uh, like, okay, I'm not gonna just do the money pleasure thing. I'm gonna do the wisdom and philosophy thing and, and really think deeply about life and, and go into the deep stuff. And he goes, man, at the end of the day, I'm thinking deeply, that guy's not, he's gonna die, I'm gonna die. There's no sense to any of this, it's empty. Continuing on, verse 18, listen to what he says. I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me, and who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yet he will be the master of all of which I have toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toils of my laborers under the sun, because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil." I love that. I love that. Solomon says, man, I worked so hard for all this stuff, and it's just going to go to one of my kids, and I don't even know if that kid might be a tool, like a total idiot. And like, what's the sense of that? I worked so hard, and some idiot's going to come take my stuff and live out in my kingdom, live out for all the things I've worked for, and they're just going to sit there and enjoy it, and they didn't have to lift a finger for it, right? He's, he's talking about this trust fund life, right? He's like, I don't know if this is going to be a good idea, I'm going to give this away. And he, and he just, and he sees so much emptiness in it. Man, if, if you are the kind of person that likes to be all up in your feels, Solomon is your dude, right? He is just like, oh, this is awful. I'm looking at the whole thing. And I think it's so good for us to see because he's climbing mountains we can't even begin to attempt. And he's climbed the mountains that we want to climb. And he's gotten up there and he's, and he's like, hey, it's a false summit right here. This isn't really the end. And he's saying, hey, this isn't really working out. Don't, don't trust this. It's, it's not all that. But what is all that? This is his conclusion after he goes on like this for chapter after chapter in the book of Ecclesiastes. And listen to his conclusion of it at the end of the book in chapter 12. He says this. The end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. He says, after all is said and done, after you've tried everything, here's what I've discovered. The point of this is fearing God and, and keeping his commandments, obeying what he's called you to do. This is the whole duty of man. This is what we're here for. He said, God is seeing everything you do. So honor him and obey him and follow him. Man, I, I feel that conclusion in my bones. 
I feel this conclusion that walking up that first mountain is just going to be empty and there's something greater we're supposed to be doing. And you may be very cynical and you go, Chris, you're a minister at a church. Of course you're supposed to feel that conclusion. You've read that book before. You know he's going to go to loving God and then you're a preacher so you're supposed to get up there and tell people to love God. You can be cynical. I, I get that. I, 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 I'm, I'm a pretty cynical guy myself. I understand that. But, but I feel this in my bones. I, I, I feel this. What are we doing here? I feel this angst of why do we climb that mountain? I'm not, personally, I'm not like crazy successful. I've tasted enough to feel some emptiness with it, to feel like, well, that ain't it either. That really doesn't matter. And I've seen friends go through it. I've seen people get pretty successful and still feel that it, it, there's an emptiness in that first mountain. And I think, I'm sure this sounds like a midlife crisis to you. You're like, that guy's working out his midlife crisis right up there on stage right now. Um, when I've had this conversation with people who I know who are 25, they feel it too. In fact, I think they're, they're, they're dialing into this in a way that, that maybe other previous generations had not. They're seeing the emptiness of this. They're, they're realizing fairly quickly that they were sold a lie or a bill of goods here. Like, this isn't really working. And they're saying, hey, maybe I should be doing something else. This is why boomer parents make phone calls to their millennial and younger children, and they go, why aren't you effectively following the narrative? Why aren't you climbing the ladder of success? And the millennial or younger children are going, yeah, I, I don't know. I, it's not working for me. I don't like it. And they're like, you should just get a job. I don't want to do that thing. They're recognizing something is broken here, whether we have the language for it, uh, whether we, we can really see it clearly. We're going like, why am I going to spend all this energy to climb that mountain? Because from what I can tell, none of y'all are happy having done it. Like, it's not great. Maybe there's something else that we need to do. I have felt some of that angst, and, and may, maybe you have too. And the truth is, when you feel that, when you feel how empty this is, you can party, you can drink, you can do drugs, you can do whatever you want to stave off the emptiness that is nipping at your heels, but it's always going to be there. It's always going to be just, just right there at your heels saying like, hey, there's, this is empty. Hey, this isn't really working. Hey, where is this actually going? Hey, why are you climbing that mountain? What's going on there? So... That's discouraging. And that's not where I want to leave you. What could we do differently? What does it look like to climb that second mountain? What does it look like to climb a mountain of significance, not a mountain of success? Because I, I truly believe if, if we can taste significance, we won't even care about success anymore. If we can dial into the good stuff of love and and community and faith and, and, and other things, if we, can, if we can connect with those things and, and they will bring a meaning to our lives that success could not even touch. How do we go about climbing that second mountain? That is what we're going to spend the next four weeks on. We're going to talk about the different elements along the climb, different things that we're going to need along the way because culture equips us to climb that first mountain and if we're going to do something different, we're going to need some different tools to climb the second mountain. We're going to learn um, 
how to, how to approach what we're doing here differently. Albert Einstein says this, try not to become a man of success, rather become a man of value. And I hope that every man and woman um, in this room feels that. And you can be cynical. You can go, easy for him to say he was a man of success. We're still talking about him today. That's how successful he was. Sure, I get that. But listen to the people who have gone before. Listen to the, the wiser voices who are saying, yeah, I know you're all worked up trying to climb that thing. I did that. It's, there's a false summit up there. Or, or, or you'll get to the top and it, it's empty. Um, pursue the things that are going to make us people of uh, to people who are bringing value to the world. Um, connect in with God and understand the value that he brings to us. So quickly, and then we'll, we'll wrap up. I want to ask you two questions, and I want you to think about these because these are not questions I can ask for you, and this is only going to work if you ask them of yourself and you are honest with yourself about these two ideas. Number one, what mountain are you climbing now? What mountain are you climbing now? Culture reinforces this one all the time. Culture says, I mean, it's, it's, it's in films, it's in music, it, it's this, it's about you and, and what you're going to get and you got to get yours. Are you climbing that mountain? And maybe this varies for you when you're in your 20s, it looks a certain way, I'm trying to build. When you're in your 30s, look at all, I'm trying to get angle for and promote and get into this space. And maybe in your 40s, 50s, 60s, you start, you start going like, ah, I, I, I don't know if I want to keep doing that or what's the next phase or what's this next successful thing. I've already been successful at this, now I can go be successful at this. Like we're still climbing that success mountain and maybe it's different at the different phases of our lives. So you ask you this question, what mountain are you climbing right now? Because that's important. If you're going to climb a mountain, it'd be good to know which one you're on, where the trailhead is, how far up along the mountain you are, what do you think is going to be at the top, what are you aiming for, right? Like, it's good to know that on your climb. And the second question is, why are you climbing it? Why are you climbing it? I think a lot of us are climbing this mountain because it was handed to us by our parents. It was handed to us by our teachers, by our professors, by our friends, by the culture around us. They, they handed us this thing and said, this is what you're supposed to do. It's empty, but good luck. And we're trying to fill in the boxes. We're trying to make it mean something. And we're struggling. Why are you actually climbing it? Whatever mountain you're on, are you climbing to please someone who's gone before? Are you living out their dream? Are you doing something to make them happy? Think deeply, not just about where you are on the mountain, but think deeply about why you are. Why are you there in the first place? What's going on? I think about this every time I hear these things in our culture that are coming apart. When I, when I hear about a shooting, a, a mass shooting, um, I, I think about this when I hear about all the infighting going on in politics in, in D.C. And, and in other places. When I see pain in my friends and I see broken relationships, when I see people hurt each other 
when I see forgiveness not happen, when I see people growing bitter, when I see it in my extended family, when I see a brokenness even in my own home, when I see a brokenness in my own heart, um, I, I think about what are we doing here and why are we doing it? Like what's really going on? What game do we think we're playing? You have to begin with the end in mind. That's so, Stephen Covey, the habits of highly successful people, you have to begin by going like, where is this going? And I think it's so easy to just get on the treadmill and think we're going somewhere, but we're not actually going anywhere. Or, or to start walking up that mountain and we've never really asked, why am I going up there to begin with? What am I trying to, to prove? I just keep coming back to this idea. What are we here for and why? Where is this going? I, for me, I am not going to rely on the American dream to define that for me. I get it. It's a good dream. It's, 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 got, its, it's got its strengths, and, and, and I get what we have been told, and I understand why, and I even understand why we hand those empty boxes to people and what those are a reaction against. I understand that too. But I'm not going to pin my life and my value to how well I climbed or didn't climb the, the mountain of success. And I'm not going to buy what our culture is trying to sell me because I think it's empty. It's, it's vanity. It's fleeting. I'm going to climb a second mountain. I'm going to climb a different, I'm going to forge a different path towards God, towards faith, towards significance, towards meaning, towards purpose, towards value, towards love, towards connection, towards community. That's the one I want to climb. Who's with me? Let's pray. God, um, I have a lot to say, and I have seen a lot in the last few years. And God, I want to walk a different road. And I don't know who else wants to. I, I, I don't know where everyone's heart is in the room. And maybe we hear this and go, oh, that's just another, that's an interesting talk, but no, I, that's not for me. Um, God, I, I don't think any of us change until we start locating where we really are and why we're there and figure out where we want to go. And so God, I pray that in this series, we really do the work and we ask why are we on the mountain that we're on and where do we really want to go? Um, God, life is precious. Life is short. Um, sometimes it's shockingly short. So God, with the years that we have on earth, whether that's one, five, ten, or fifty left, um, I pray we, we, we focus on the, the right things, that we, that we learn from you, that we get to know you, that we serve you, that we follow you, um, because you are who is in eternity. You have existed before we ever got here, and you are, will be here long after we were on the earth. And so I, I pray that we are connected into you so that we are uh, right with you in eternity. God, I pray that, that we can take some time in this series to understand what it means to fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man, that we will, um, that we will do that. God, give us... Um, the people we need along the way, the, the, the guides to follow on the trail, the, 
the, the, the people on the team together to, to walk with and help us to, to climb at this different mountain. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.